evening, fellow goths, horror enthusiasts, and children of the sun and moon. I am your humble Los Angeles witch, Moonchild Nil, and welcome to another episode of Midnight Tea. I want to make a quick note here that you notice I didn't say have a happy Thanksgiving, considering this episode will be airing right before it. I do not celebrate this holiday. Um, I believe as an American citizen, it's insulting to celebrate this holiday, which is bathed in the blood of the Native Americans and the indigenous that had to give way for the pilgrims to come take rape and pillage their land and their people. And I don't stand for that. I don't want to celebrate a holiday based in genocide. Um, I do idealize the idea of being thankful, but it shouldn't be just consolidated to just one day. It's something that should be celebrated every day. You should be thankful for life every day. You should be thankful for the small blessings that come in the world. And even more so, even when you have the worst of days, you should be thankful for at least one positive thing that came out of it. And it could be something as simple as you bought your favorite Starbucks drink. I just don't feel that we need one day to just be thankful for things in life when you should be doing it 365. So you can enjoy the holiday as you see fit. Just me personally, it's not my cup of tea. I've never cared for this holiday in how it helped in the shaping of America, as I use air quotes for that. But enjoy your festivities nonetheless. Your meals, if you can be with your families safely this year, please do so. But before I start my episode, and even so my disclaimer, I do want to dedicate this episode to a friend of mine, Lindsay Sensa Snyder, who sadly lost her life to cancer. Um, actually, the day after I posted my other episode of Midnight Tea, uh, Lindsay, well, aka Cricket, was a cast member that was with me and my friend Ethan, aka Auberlane who did shadow casting for Addicted to the Knife, also known as Attack, for the Repo the Genetic Opera. She was a fellow gentern, uh, uh, a Zydrate scalpel slut, and was an overall great person. I haven't seen her since last year where I ran into her at a convention called Midsummer Scream, where she had disclosed to me that she had cancer and she was trying some radical treatment that she was very hopeful for. And she kept in touch here and there as the year progressed. And I did see follow-up posts that let me know that her cancer was progressing and the treatments were not working. And that was really a shame to reconnect with an old cast member I hadn't seen in maybe five or six years to now find out that she was diagnosed with such a life debilitating disease and has now passed away. So Lindsay, AKA Cricket, this episode is to you. All right, now after that heavy-hearted intro, let me go ahead and get into my disclaimer that this episode may contain strong language, possible spoilers for books and movies, and dark topics. So this is your viewer or listener discretion advised. All right, guys, let's pivot feet a little bit and talk about something a little more cheerful. Naming YouTube series. Now, my friend Ethan, a.k.a. Auberlane, who was a guest speaker on the Friday the 13th episode of my podcast, had introduced me to this YouTube cartoon that I'm super ashamed I have not heard about. 
And you as my listeners who probably do know about this have all the rights in the world to come at me for this, for not knowing about this when it came out a year ago. And that is this one episode so far, YouTube show called The Has-Been Hotel, created by the great Vivian Madrano. I hope I'm saying her name right, or Vivipop, as I believe her username goes. Vizipop, sorry. And this is actually fucking amazing. I don't even know how to really introduce myself into how I found out about this other than through my good buddy, Auberlane. But I remember being a Tumblr user, yeah, way back when, when Tumblr was still relevant, and running across this kind of like a furry, I guess you could call it furry, but animated video um, dubbed over by Kesha's song, uh, Die Young, which was done by artwork by Vizipop. And I thought that was kind of cute. I'm not a furry by any means, but I thought it, like the idea was really cute that it was this blue wolf character that was going off singing Kesha's Die Young. And I just didn't like the animation. It was funky. It was very Looney Tunes-esque. I'm like, I can get behind this. But I just saw that one video and never thought about it again. That was easily four or five years ago. Cut to um, earlier in October, Ethan ends up showing me this music video called Addict, which is about a, the main character or one of the main characters of the Hasbin Hotel is this white spider demon called Angel Dust. Now, this might be a little bit of a trigger warning for some of you out there because Hasbin Hotel is absolutely not for kids, nor is the subsequent music video called Addict. But I'm just going to get briefly into it just to kind of highlight why I think this is so interesting and it's fun in its own way as an adult cartoon series. Now, I'm going to talk about Hasbin Hotel real quick, which is centers around a, a character, a demon princess named Charlie. She is the daughter of Satan. And her wish is to create a hotel that rehabilitates demons into being able to go to heaven. Since every year in hell, there is a purge where some demons do not survive. And a lot, of course, demons in the underworld and hell are all debaucherous and lowlifes and scum. And Charlie truly believes that there is a way that, they, that a demon can be more than what they currently are. And her first test subject into proving that her hotel can be a place of rehabilitation is to have Angel Dust, the spider demon I just spoke of, be her first guinea pig of sorts. And she doesn't mean it in that mean kind of sense. She really does want to rehabilitate him since Angel Dust is a porn star and he's a stripper, he's a prostitute, and he lives this very underbelly life. And as his name suggests, he's addicted to Angel Dust. And he's very debaucherous. He makes jokes and crude jokes and sexual humor as a coping mechanism, which is something I definitely could relate to in that sense of using humor and crude one at that as a defense mechanism. And it's, it's a touch and go process. She, the hotel's kind of run down. Charlie also being a demon that wants to see the good in people also doesn't fully have the support of her family that, you know, obviously it's Satan and his wife, Lilith. But she wants to, she wants, she truly does believe that they're, they can be saved. And you get introduced to all these colorful characters and they're interesting with their own backstories and personalities. But like I said, this is also adult, an adult cartoon. So the language is very, pers 
it's strangled throughout. It, there's very strong language, sexual innuendo, um, which also now leads to the song Addict and its subsequent music video, which is mostly told from the perspective of Angel Dust and how he's lived this sexually abusive life, possibly even raped by his pimp or his, I don't know if you want to call him his manager. And he has one friend truly in this character named Cherry Bomb, which is a Cyclops demon who's just, her whole thing is chaos. She lives on chaos. She is the chaos, she is the um, chaotic chaos to Angel Dust's chaotic neutral. And she's, she comes with her own background, which has not fully been explored yet, but her, she seems to be the best friend of Angel Dust and, you know, really does want to see the better of him. But at the same time, he helps her with this turf war that she wants in hell to conquer lands. And it's, it's amazing. Like I saw this and I clicked with it immediately because I see a lot of my past in this and I won't say anything that I was that level of extreme of let's say Angel Dust's history I'm nowhere near that bad but I could definitely see the coping mechanisms for trauma and the way he acts and the way he behaves and he's so aloof and almost kind of it almost comes off as rude and he's an asshole but it's it's a protection to to keep to protect himself and I really do find that very fascinating if you want to check it out, Hasbin Hotel and its subsequent music video, Addict, is on YouTube as we speak for free if you want to check it out. They also have a kind of like a spinoff um, cartoon episode called Hell of a Boss, which I believe now has two episodes, the second one having been released about a week ago. I, If you haven't, if you're like me and you are a seriously latecomer to this series, I recommend checking it out. It is a super fun cartoon. There's so many characters I want to see more of, especially, and a little bit of spoiler here, there is a character named the Radio Demon, and there's a moment where you see him in the Has Been Hotel episode where he is absolutely fucking terrifying, like legitimately scary. And I'm like, I'm here for this character. I want to know more about him. Like I already clicked with Angel Dust. I very much clicked with Cherry Bomb, uh, Charlie, our, our main girl. And her girlfriend named Vaggie, which Angel Dust, if in the subsequent comic that Vizzy Pop has released, which I believe is on the Has Been Hotel website, which I've yet to read, but we'll probably get to it tonight, has tells more of a backstory of who these characters were possibly before they even died when they were still human. So this is actually super fun. I want to get into this more, but please check out hasbeenhotel.com to find out more about these characters and this cartoon series. This has been a lot of fun to watch, and I cannot wait for the release of the next episode. Really quick before I switch topics off of Hasbeen Hotel, I wanted to throw out a disclaimer that in no way, shape, or form am I trying to insinuate or infer that if you work in the sex industry, that you are a lesser being, that you don't have a real job, that you deserve to be in hell, and you're not a real person, I am not trying to say that at all. I truly do believe sex work is real work. You are out there making your money, you are doing it professionally, and most of all, you are doing it legally. Whether you are a stripper, a prostitute, a call girl, a cam girl, a porn star, or on an OnlyFans account. Make your money, and don't let anybody sit there and tell you otherwise.
All right, guys, let's lighten the mood a little bit and talk about music. Now, I know November 22nd has already passed us, but I want to give the biggest, and I mean the most fucking astronomically largest, happiest of birthdays to my hardogram husband, the love of my life, my Kultaseni. He is the lead singer of him, Ville Vallo. Ville, I don't know if you will ever hear this, but if you do, I am probably one of your biggest fans from Southern California. And I want to wish you the happiest and safest of birthdays. Now, for some of you who don't know me personally, let me make it clear. Him, acronym for His Infernal Majesty, is my favorite band of all time. Like, they are on the highest fucking pedestal. There is no other band I put above them. This is like, this is legendary how much I absolutely love this band and treasure them. I've been the biggest fan of them since I was 13. My friend put on the album Deep Shadows and Brilliant Highlights. Heartache Every Moment was the first song I ever heard from them. It is still my favorite song from them to this day. And right then, hearing Villa's voice and vocals for the first time was like velvet on my soul. And it has not changed since. It's been a couple of decades later. I'm still a fan. Still in love with them. And ever since then, my love for this band has grown. I'll give you some case in points. When I turned 18, my very first tattoo ever was a heartogram with wings on my upper back. My second tattoo I ever got was a coffin with two conjoined hearts in it, which is the cover of their single for their song, The Funeral of Hearts. From the age of 16 till they disbanded in 2018, I have almost never missed a single show they have done in Southern California. And when I say Southern California, I mean that shit. That means if they played LA on Monday, Anaheim on Tuesday, and San Diego by Thursday, I was at all three. Because I love this band. So much so that even once I moved to Los Angeles officially in 2007, I immediately joined their LA street team to help promote them and help out uh, with their shows. And I was even blessed with the chance of not only getting to meet Villa at multiple signings, and he's signed my co copies of all their albums, but I was actually granted the chance to be in their music video for their song Bleed Well off of their Venus Doom album. And if you're going to sit there and call bullshit on that, I absolutely encourage you to go watch the music video Bleed Well on YouTube. You can also check for the making of the video for Bleed Well on YouTube. Look for the author Kate Scott. Kate Scott has two videos that shows me standing not even COVID, COVID distance, not even six feet from this man that I'm absolutely in love with. So, yes, my love for this band is astronomical. Not like misery level, I'm going to take an axe to your ankle because I'm holding you hostage love. But just, you, as a goth, sometimes you know no bigger dedication than the love you have for a band. So, what have the boys from him been up to since 2018? Well, the here and there talk is... Even when they disbanded in 2018, it was not over any hard feelings. They just wanted to go their separate ways and, you know, explore different avenues, do other side projects. 
and I wish all the luck to each and every one of the members, past and present, all the way up to the end, in whatever you do. Even Villa himself has done a few commercials. He did a sideband, also where he most of the tracks were in Finnish. And that's kind of been the quiet noise. That is up until March 19th, where the Hymns, Hymns Instagram, simply called Hardogram Team, released a post with an updated version of the new Hardogram, which looks fucking dope. And I'm super tempted to get a third hymn tattoo. We'll think about that later. Because this new hardogram is fire. I absolutely love it. And the post simply says, and now for something completely different, link in bio. So what it does is if you go to that link, it takes you to their, it takes you to Spotify. Where in it, you are greeted with something called the Gothica Fenica Volume 1. It is a single released by an artist named VV, just two letter V's. Take a guess on who that is. And it's a single with three tracks on it. And the three tracks are Run Away From The Sun, Salute The Sanguine, and I'm probably going to butcher it in how I pronounce it, Saturnine Saturnalia. I'm sorry if I butchered it. If you guys know the proper way to pronounce it, please let me know. And... These three tracks are amazing. This is him back to where they should be. Now, I don't know if this means the band got back together or there's talks of a comeback. But for what we get out of these three, three tracks, it's amazing. And I'm here for it. Run Away From The Sun is an awesome track. It's probably my favorite from this single. If you guys get the chance, go check it out on Spotify. So that was back in March of this year. And after that, it was kind of radio silence from all the members. We didn't hear anything, especially it's harder because Villa himself does not do social media. As far as I know, he has no social media accounts. That is up until September 27th when they released another post on the Hardogram team's Instagram. And all it is is a CG'd ocean in the midst of a thunderstorm and you'll get hit with a wave ultimately to reveal a hardogram tower. Now that image, if that image sounds familiar to you as a hymn fan, that is because it is the cover of their 2005 album, Dark Light. Now all this post says is a parting gift, Killing Loneliness XV Mix, which in the, if you play it with the sound on, it plays the most beautiful version of Killing Loneliness aside from hearing it live. And it's absolutely gorgeous. It's kind of a scaled down musical version. The music is not as as pronounced. Villa's vocals are a little more raw. And you hear the beautiful sounds of a thunderstorm in the background. This is an awesome, awesome sounding track. So that was released on September 27th of this year. But cut to September 28th, the Hardogram team Instagram released another post in which it was just using the track Behind the Crimson Door. And in the video of it, it's the video of a house where other fans have told me this was the house where they have recorded the Dark Light album. It is here in Los Angeles. And for any of you horror fans out there, this is also the same house where the climax of Scream 3 took place. So it's a minute-long video with the ending part of 
the track Behind the Crimson Door. And at the very end, it simply says BehindTheCrimsonDoor.com. Later that same day, they released something on their on the Hardogram team's story that simply said the door will not be open for long. Me being a fanatic hymn fan freaked out and said, okay, what does that mean? Jumped on my laptop, went to BehindTheCrimsonDoor.com, and you're greeted with the front door of this house. When you click on that, you are greeted with just a pretty much a black web page with a hallway of one of the hallways of the house, I guess, with a gold statue at the end. Nothing creepy. Just it's just that. So you're like, OK, well, what does that mean? And before you can say yes or no to anything, automatically my laptop said download complete, save to your desktop. I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't agree to, to anything being downloaded. What does that mean? Sure enough, I clicked the file, and when I opened it, we were gifted something super beautiful, and that is three tracks never released before from the album Dark Light. And when I say they were never released before, these are remixes that they have never released. One of them being the Killing Loneliness XV mix, which, surprisingly to any of you, my listeners is the sample track that I play at the beginning of almost every single one of my episodes of Midnight Tea. I absolutely love this track. I sometimes fall asleep to it. It's just so soothing. He also released a remix of The Cage and Venus in Our Blood. These are amazing. They're all great. They're, it's If you're a fan like me that loves this band, this is something that you had to have. So I made sure I downloaded this not only on my laptop, but my Kindle, my regular phone, and my spare backup phone. But sure enough, just as the Instagram story said, the door will not stay open for long. So what happens? A few hours later, I checked back on that website, BehindTheCrimsonDoor.com, and the website is closed. And I go back to their Instagram post and see that a lot of fans said, well, we didn't get a chance to see what it was. We don't even know what we missed out on. And I felt so bad for some of these fans and said, you know what? Let me do you guys a solid. So I went into the comments section and said, hey, I have the tracks that were released on this website. If you want them, send me a DM. I will happily send them to you. And I've actually helped quite a few hymn fans get these tracks that they didn't even know they were missing out on. So as by extension, I'm going to offer the same thing to any of you out there that may be him fans that didn't get a chance to get these tracks. Feel free to send me a DM either through my Twitter, through my Instagram, through Spotify, or through my anchor saying you still want these tracks. I will find a way to either email them or Dropbox them, Dropbox them to you and give you a chance to hear these tracks because they deserve to be heard. All right, guys, let's take a pause for a minute and talk about some Black Friday deals because I've got a couple of good ones for you. One of my favorite cosmetic lines, Black Moon Cosmetics, has a Black Friday sale that has already started. On their site, you can get up to 40% off on all single items and up to 25% off on bundles and gifts. And get this, no code is necessary. So the discounts are already marked off for you right at checkout. Go give them a look at blackmooncosmetics.com. Also for you from one of my favorite shoe lines is Strange Cult, spelled S-T-R-A-N-G-E-C-V-L-T. Right now they have a pre-sale for their Lily Jack-O-Lantern slippers. They're fuzzy-topped Jack-O-Lantern slippers with a cute 2-inch to 3-inch platform. 
They come in either orange or black and they pre-sale for $100. These are so adorable. I already got some in my, my cart and I cannot wait to check them out. If you like, go give them a look at Strange Cult, spelled S-T-R-A-N-G-E-C-V-L-T dot com. All right, ghoulies, I think it's time to get into my listener-friendly asked questions. Tonight, I'm only going to answer maybe three or four, so that way it doesn't fully clog up the rest of the episode. But let's get into it. This one comes from Lana Reads Your Mail 2004. <laughs> Please don't read my mail. And they ask, did you finish watching Obsidian, Mandalorian, Animaniacs, and finish your Harry Potter and Universal Monsters Marathon? Rank them for me. Okay, um, I still have not gotten a chance to watch the Adventure Time spinoff Obsidian. I don't have my friend's HBO Max yet to bum off of, so that has yet to be done, but hopefully soon. Yes, I am 100% all caught up on Mandalorian. The last episode was episode four of season two, and it was so stinking cute. I can't. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but yeah, go check it out on Disney Plus when you get the chance. Uh, Animaniacs. Yes, I finished watching all of season one of the new Animaniacs. Personally, I love it. I think this is the greatest update we could ask for in terms of a cartoon from the 90s jumping into 2020. Now, one thing I will spoiler for you, but or spoil for you, but it does get a little political. But I mean, Animaniacs, even if you watch the original from the 90s, never shied away from politics. As a matter of fact, how many times have they made fun of Bill Clinton in the original? Um, yeah, this one does take stabs at Trump. It actually doesn't say anything about Biden. But um, I feel like it's a little heavy handed, a little, but that's not in a bad way necessarily. I just think it's keep politics to a minimum in your cartoons for kids. But it's also geared at a generation like us that's a little older that grew up with the original. But again, as far as a 2020 update to this cartoon, great job. I can't wait to see what season two brings out. And that's streaming on Hulu. Next, my Harry Potter marathon. Um, I'm almost done. I've already watched all the Harry Potters up to... I'm starting Deathly Hollows Part 1 and 2 at some point t tomorrow or uh, uh, Friday uh, after Thanksgiving. Um, so yeah, those are the last two in the Harry Potter franchise. And then I got to jump to Fantastic Beasts, which... Not gonna lie, I'm kind of itching to get through Deathly Hollows because Part 1 I always found very boring. And... Part two is where the action's really at. But I got a question for some of you guys out there with part one. Uh, specifically because I haven't finished reading Deathly Hollows yet. But in the scene where Ron sees his worst fears of Harry and Hermione becoming a couple. In the book, do they describe that vision as them being naked? Because that truly does bother me. I don't like seeing that. It feels very wrong. To see these two... I get it, it's supposed to be Ron's ultimate fear that they become lovers, but it really does rub me the wrong way. But, yeah, so part one and two, hopefully in the next two to three days, and then on to Fantastic Beasts, and where to find them, and then Crimes of Grindelwald. And then my Universal Monsters collection. Yes, I have finished watching all of them. Um, I'll just give the short ranking real quick from lowest to top. And at the fucking bottom is that 1943 Phantom of the Opera. I don't know why this one's counted in the collection because it's in color and it ha it's not the original black and white one with Lon Chaney, which I feel was way better in comparison to how these two movies are handled. 
So that's at the bottom. Next would probably be The Mummy. It's very reminiscent of Golden Age Hollywood where it's, you know, you're casting white, you're whitewashing these clearly supposed to be Egyptian and Middle Eastern characters with white characters. I don't really like that at all. I think if you're going to watch The Mummy, go watch the Brendan Fraser version. Like, that's the best one, in, in my personal opinion. And please skip the Tom Cruise one because I won't even get into that. Then next would probably be The Invisible Man. Um, I'm, it was okay. I mean, I will applaud the, the special effects that they used to make him invisible back in the original black and white, but I think the 2020 version is far superior in terms of storytelling. But yeah, Invisible Man, not bad. Not the worst, but could be better. Next would be Creature from the Black Lagoon. I've seen that movie at least a few times, and it was... It's okay. Every time I rewatch it, it's okay. It's kind of nice to have a female character that actually does something in these movies. So I enjoyed her presence a lot. But the creature for me has always been kind of whatever. He's a little creep, though. Like, there's a scene where you just see him peeking through somebody through a grate in the floor, and I'm just, ugh. Just how bug-eyed he is. He doesn't blink. Just, ugh. That's unsettling. So we'll jump from that to... I'm going to say The Wolfman. Um... I just feel like it's such a weirdly premised story and I don't like the idea that the, um, the idea is that the wolf man transforms under a full moon is not even explicitly talked about. It actually doesn't happen at all. Um, but they have this weird thing where a heart, where a pentagram will show up on someone's hand to mark them as the wolf man's next victim. I think that's really stupid, but other than that, it's a fun story. Then from there, let's go ahead and I'm going to say Dracula. And I know that's controversial to a lot of people. They're like, what? You didn't rank it higher. I'm like, uh, I still like it. Don't get me wrong. I still think it's fun. But I actually had to skip out on part of it because I was, had to do something else in my house. And then I had to turn it off and then come back to it and start all over again. And it's a little dull here and there. And But it, as far as creep factor, it's great. If you're Fun fact, if you actually look at Bella Lugosi in the movie, he actually doesn't wear fangs. There's actually no fangs present in the entire movie, which is interesting for a movie about a vampire. And not just any vampire, THE vampire. So yeah, there's Dracula. Then next, I'm going to actually rank Bride of Frankenstein. Um, I think that's a very solid sequel. I mean, pretty close to the most solid sequel you'll ever get out of any movie, no matter what the genre. You know, uh, Elsa Lancaster playing the bride, even though she's only in it for maybe about five minutes, is still pretty awesome. Her look is just so iconic. She's so beautiful. It was kind of weird that they gave Frankenstein speech, but okay, I'm here for it. And at the top of the list is going to be Frankenstein itself. You know, this is such a classic monster. His look is so iconic. I found the movie far more interesting on a rewatch. It's just super good. Um, yeah, that's it. That's going to be the short version of the ranking. So there you go for Lana Reads Your Mail 2004. Don't read my mail! Okay, next question comes up from iCandyToy. What are your favorite animes? Um, that's a hard question because I don't really watch anime anymore. Um, when I, right when I was in my super otaku, weeb, weeaboo, whatever they call it, when you're a super anime nerd and you're not necessarily Asian or Japanese, um, I was into a lot of animes, but right around that time I was dating someone who just sucked the joy out of anime for me. So it really killed any enjoyment I had for getting into any new animes. So 
for me, if it didn't air on Toonami or Midnight Run, I really wasn't into it. Um, it, thankfully it didn't kill my enjoyment of cartoons because I made it this far and I still love a lot of cartoons, but no, anime is, it's a, it's a sore topic in terms of if I, how many I like, like when I was in my teens, I was obsessed with this anime called Gensomaden Sayuki, which is the, um, story of the Chinese legend of the journey to the West. It's such a B, a bishoujo, sorry, bishonen anime which is like a pretty boy anime uh, a lot of cussing it's pretty violent but it's all about the humor and it's very gay coded but I absolutely used to love it I watched it like crazy I was so in love with this one character from it named Sanzo who was supposed to be a priest but he didn't do any of the priestly things like he cussed he swore he drank he smoked he was just he was an asshole but he was so hot that I was like I don't care <laughs> he was absolutely my favorite from this anime but um yeah, one company had the dubbing for the first couple seasons, and then somebody they handed it off to another company to do the dubbing for the rest of the series, and it suffered. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much. But um, as far as animes that I still love to this day, I'm, I'm definitely one of those 90s girls. Sailor Moon is always at the top of the list. I'll even put Sailor Moon Crystal up there, even though the first two seasons, the animation was fucking awful. Um, I love Sailor Moon. I grew up on Sailor Moon since I was about five years old. I had all the dolls. I, to this day, I actually still have Sailor Moon's, um, I think it was released from Bandai, the original 94 Sailor Moon locket that when you open it, it made a sound. You press the crystal in the center, it made a sound. That sound used to actually help me get to sleep as a kid. I have the original Crescent Moon wand. It still works. The lockets, I actually have two lockets now. One doesn't work, but the other one does. I even have Sailor Venus's crescent weapon, whatchamacall. At one point, I even used to have all the dolls. I used to have the, um, oh god, what was it called? I used to have the moon rod from Sailor Moon Super S that she gets from Pegasus. I don't think I have that anymore, but, I mean, now I have the Funko Pops. I have a few other, like, a, I have the pull-up doll of Sailor Pluto, because she's my favorite scout, even though I'm my birthday is six days off from Usagi's slash Serena's, but no, Sailor Moon is always going to be at the top of my list. It has a fucking, it has a fuck ton of flaws in it, but I still love it regardless. It's one I grew up with, so that's my top favorite. Next would probably be what I consider, even though I don't rank it higher than Sailor Moon, it's, I still count it as the quintessential anime, and that is Cowboy Bebop. It is the perfect anime, whether you watch it subtitled or you watch it dubbed, it's perfect. It's so, it's so good. Even so, for someone who's not into anime, you will find something to love out of this one. The characters are solid. The stories are solid. Um, I, I don't think there's any other way I can word that other than that. So we're just going to rattle off a few other animes that I still love. Um, there was one, it was a short, relatively short series called Outlaw Star, which you probably watched it on Toonami or Midnight Run. And it's definitely different depending on where you saw it. Because, of course, I saw it on... Um, Adult Swim or Toonami, and it was heavily censored in, in terms of nudity and what these characters said. I eventually went down and I bought it on DVD, and holy shit, that's a night and day difference. Like, the main character, Gene Starwin, that you're rooting for is actually way bigger of an asshole in the original series than what we got to see. If you get the chance, go and watch it there. I believe it is, it's also streaming on Hulu if you want to check it out there. But yeah, Outlaw Star was one of my top favorites. 
And other animes that I really loved, um, I know they played different the different series of Gundam throughout the year. Gundam Wing was always my favorite because I watched it from start to finish. I, there was also the other spinoffs I liked, like Mobile Fighter G Gundam or Gundam 8th MS Team. But Gundam Wing was always at the top. I watched it both through Toonami and bought it on my own. I was a massive slut for Duo Maxwell. He was my absolute favorite Gundam uh, pilot. I had a thing for his long hair and his Gundam. I don't give a fuck what you say. His Gundam was the most badass in the series. You can't fuck with the Death Scythe. It will wreck you. So hands down, that was my favorite. Uh, Zex Marquis or whatever name he went by, Miliardo Peacecraft or something or other. I can't even believe I remembered that name. <laughs> he had a Gundam named the Epion, and that one was also my second favorite. But no, Death Scythe at the top of the list. He will fucking wreck you. He's such a great... <sighs> such a good one. And even Mobile Fighter G Gundam, the only reason I really liked it was because there was a female Gundam pilot who had a female-themed Gundam named the Noble Gundam that looked like a Sailor Scout. So she was also on the top of my list of top Gundams, which I actually have the only two Gundam model kits of the Noble Gundam in storage somewhere that I need to build. And I also have the Death Scythe, from the Endless Waltz movie that I also need to build, but in its own time. I'm still trying to redecorate my room, and the theme I want to put on my ceiling is get those cheap 2000s glow-in-the-dark stars all over my ceiling and build my Gundams to have a Gundam battle like it's in space. So, there's to that. And then, any other animes I can rattle off real quick? I wouldn't say I love them, but I still have a guilty soft spot for them. It's like Inuyasha, even though that series lasted way the fuck too long. Uh, I never fully finished it. I just cheated and saw that it was streaming on Hulu and just watched the ending to see what happened. And I know there's a new, I guess, sequel series to it called Yashahime, which I think is Demon Princess. It's about the kids of Inuyasha and Kagome. I'll get to it eventually. I'm not super in love with this series. It was kind of a just... It was irritating because in eighth grade, that's when this cartoon took off and all my friends talked about it, but I didn't care for it. So, nah, I'm, <laughs> I'm not really into it. But yeah, that was that was it. Um, yeah, I don't think there was any other animes I loved as hard as those ones. Again, most of the for the most part, it was whatever aired on Toonami. Um, I wasn't crazy in love with all of them. Like, I don't really care for the original Thundercats, but. I didn't, I didn't like Thundercats much to start with. Um, some of the later anime series that they put on there, like Naruto, Bleach, One Piece, Attack on Titans, I didn't, I didn't care for these at all. Um, it was just during the golden era before Toonami got rebooted. And fun fact about that that I'm going to end this question with is, I don't know if any of you guys remember, but way back in the day, Toonami used to do, at the last Friday of every month, used to show fan artwork on, on their program. So I was so, I wanted to be on this so bad. So I used to draw all these pictures, whether it was Sailor Moon or it was Gundam. Tenchi Muyo, that's another anime I used to love back in the day uh, that used to be on Toonami, which I have seen the uncensored version since. But uh, yeah, Tenchi Muyo, Tenchi in Love, Tenchi in Tokyo, I did watch all of these uh, when they aired them. Dragon Ball Z, I wasn't in love with, but it was, it was there. But anyway, I used to draw these characters and I would make copies of all my artwork and then I would send them to Cartoon Network's headquarters, was at the time, was in Georgia. Because they told you in 
like, you know, if you want to submit artwork, you can do this, that, and the other, but just know that we can't send it back. So I was like, okay, I don't care as long as I make copies. So I sent them the copies. Then sure enough, they used to send me, they sent me back several postcards that said Toonami on them. And it said, thank you for submitting your art to us, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. Um, and I don't know what the hell was going through my mind, but majority of those uh, postcards I threw away. I don't know why the fuck I did that because I should have kept them. But I looked through all my old paperwork and stuff and I found one. I still have one original postcard that Toonami sent me with the original Tom on it and the spaceship. Um, one day maybe I'll share it in like one of my YouTube videos. And it still has my original Hawaii address on it. And yeah, that thing's a treasure trove. I got it framed now. I absolutely love that I kept at least one because you can't get these anymore. So yeah, that's a little fun story from my time with Toonami and my supposedly favorite animes. Now, last question I have that I'm going to answer tonight is, what made you realize you are goth? Um, the, the user did not disclose whether they wanted me to say their username or whatnot, so I'm not going to say it. But what made me realize that I was a goth? Well, I didn't really have my goth phase until I moved to Hawaii, um, which I moved in 99. But um, it wasn't until I hit the, around the sixth grade, I think I was like 13, and we went to a Halloween party. No, I was 12. I'm sorry. I was 12. And my school was throwing a Halloween dance because Halloween fell on a weekday that year. And I, all, all my friends wanted to be like, oh, I want to be Pikachu. Oh, I want to be Britney Spears. Or I want to be Aaron Carter. Like everybody wanted to be what was trendy at the time. And when my friends asked me, I was like, I want to be Carrie. And a lot of my friends were like, who's Carrie? And it's like, oh, you know, that character from that, that movie, Carrie, when she went to prom and got covered in blood. And my friends are like, that's creepy. Why would you do that? I'm like, first of all, it's Halloween. Why are you not being creepy? Isn't that the point? So sure enough, I mean, I was, a, I was a dumb 12 year old. I didn't really know any better. I went to the local thrift store. My mom bought me a pink dress, uh, like kind of more like an 80s prom dress or whatnot, but it looked like almost like a wedding gown and we smothered it in blood. And that's what I went to for my sixth grade Halloween dance. And I think from then on, my mom knew something was going to be different about me. Like it wasn't the fact that I used to like watching the Twilight Zone, Tales from the Crypt, the Beetlejuice cartoon, that I watched these at such early ages. No, I mean, that couldn't have been it. But to me, that's my earliest recollection of realizing I was going to be an alternative kid. And sure enough, that's what I grew up into now. So thank you everybody for your questions. I know I didn't answer all of them. I just want to kind of keep them short so that it doesn't take up the entire episode. But feel free to send me more in the future. And that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on tonight's episode. Now I know what you're thinking. Why hasn't she given us a spell of the week this time? She always gives us one once a week on every episode. Well, the answer for that is very simple. On November 30th, we are going to be graced with another full moon. And rather than cast a spell based on the moon phase, I feel for this week, let us give our crystals a chance to moon bathe. Because think about it. Our crystals, whether we wear them as jewelry, or we keep them in our bags, or our purses, or we keep them in our house, they are soaking up the energies, the emotions, the auras, the vibes from you and everybody it comes into contact with. 
And I feel like it's time to give back to the crystals that do so much for us. So this time for this week, I encourage you on November 30th to grab your salts, your earth, go out. If you can make a fire pit, uh, do so. And give all your crystals the chance to moon bathe and recharge and be a nice blank slate for you to work off of for next week's upcoming spell. Your crystals do a lot for you. Time to say thank you to them. And as always, you can catch me on any of my social media. My Twitter is MoonChildNil. My TikTok and Instagram are MorningStarMoonChild. Please like, subscribe, follow, and share. And leave me a message if you have any questions that you would like me to answer, or if you have topics you would like me to cover in future episodes. And I am saying it again, because I do that a lot. I do have a YouTube channel under the name Morning Star Moon Child, which doesn't really have any content on it at the moment. But the minute I start posting some videos on there, I will let you guys know. And as always, please stay safe. Please enjoy your festive holidays, your giving of thanks. If you can be with family, please do so, but be safe and I'll catch you next week. Blessed be.